Good morning, church. Good to see you today. If you are new with us, welcome. My name is Pastor Brad, and I'm just excited that you joined us this morning, and we hope that uh, when I get through this message that you'll come back again next week. That's the hope. We want, it, we want you in our family. Hey, uh, I, I think I will probably, you know, in the Old Testament, they would stone people, and in the New Testament, we throw tomatoes. And so uh, I don't want to get stoned, so I will, I will go ahead and give you the update from the hearing examiner from our giant years-long saga. Is that a nice way to say it? So we have been, uh, we've been working to build a church building. Uh, God's already built the church people, amen? But we're looking for a building. And so we, uh, we have our acreage, uh, we have our five acres, and we've been de- trying to develop this for years. And we've had uh, a few roadblocks, to say in the least. Um, our, our most recent one, and probably the worst one, was having to do with what the city calls, uh, what's called critical areas improvement or wetland setbacks. So if you ever bought a piece of property and then you hear the word wetland, then you know to just like tremble in fear. Um, so we, we got all of our plans in and they said we approved everything and then and we spent a lot of money and then they said, well, we don't know if these wetlands are going to work. And so we kind of have been through this process of saying we need a variance. We need basically for you to say this is okay, even though it doesn't meet your code. Um, and we were under the impression that that was going to be the case. And when it came right down to it, we had to go to a hearing where the, the city had presented to the hearing officer uh, recommending that they should not approve our plan, and we came in saying you should approve our plan. So that's hearing. I, I, this is like the first time I've ever been to court, except for traffic court, once when I got a ticket, a camera ticket, because I was taking my daughter with a broken arm to the hospital and got dismissed. Thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> I will read the page. This is a four-page document. Can you just write yes or no in bold on the front? I don't know. It was more, more enjoyable to read it. Viewing the property confirms that the plan to construct a church and related facilities at this location not only is not detrimental to the public welfare or property in the area, but should serve as a noticeable improvement and enhancement to the goals and purposes of the city. Thank you, yeah. Shan- Thank you Shannon, for your uh, statement that you made. In other words, it fits the area. The designated area for setback appears not to be detrimental to the public. It is difficult for the hearings officer to comprehend how a setback that was fine a few years ago, this has to do with code changes, would suddenly be detrimental and nothing in the city's recommendation to deny the variance request addresses that issue. The city's position is conclusory and says that because the project does not meet its requirements, it will negatively impact nearby aquatic resources. While I appreciate the advocacy for the environment, I find that the analysis provided by the applicant to be more persuasive. (laughs) I want to emphasize that I'm not being critical of the city, just that I find, once again, the applicant's analysis to be more persuasive. The request for a critical area variance by the applicant is granted. Hallelujah. Lord God, we thank you and we praise you. You are so good, Lord. Lord, you, you hear the cry of your people. Lord, you, this is your plan. This is your project. This is your building, Lord. And we know that as we read your word and we look throughout history, Lord, you win. You keep winning, Lord. And whatever lies ahead, whatever other mountains need to be moved, Lord God, we know with confidence that you will move them. 
And so, Lord, we pray that you bring in every resource for this project, Lord, whether it's, it's, whether it's an approval, a yes, uh, a financial, uh, whatever it looks like, Lord, we ask that you bring in the resources and, Lord, you make it happen. Lord, we're excited to partner with your vision for us here at Abundant Life. And we thank you, we praise you, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah. Woo! So I will, what's next? Well, we've got work to do. So I've got some meetings this week, and we're going to start making our plans. And so I will let you know. So we'll be meeting uh, with the architect this week and making sure we're on track there, and we're getting blueprints drawn up. So all that's now in place, which you kind of have to hold your breath, because if the answer's no, then you can't build on the site that you planned and all that. So now we're, we're ready to move. So here we go. You just take a deep breath, right? This is like years long of stress, just, just coming out. <clears throat> all right. Well, we're going to get into the Word, because the Word is where there's life, amen? So this series is called Breaking Through. We're studying First John, and we had studied a few weeks ago. John begins in his first couple of chapters uh, talking about sin. Now, uh, I have sermon notes sort of for you. So you open up your app, Abundant Life Ordering app, and you go to the notes, and there's some really good detailed notes. And, and I would like to say that uh, the notes are very abbreviated this week because I wanted to give you the opportunity to fill them in, but the truth is I forgot <laughs> to put them on there for you, okay? Just being real. Just get real for a moment, okay? I got lost in the excitement of it all, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> okay, but there's fill, you can fill in your own notes today. Um, so John had written about uh, sin and our relationship to it, and that was a few weeks ago in that message. And last week I talked to you about aligning our identity, that when we really understand who we are as a child of God, it shapes the way that we see things. It should shape the way we see things. It should shape the way we approach things, the way that we think about ourselves when we align our identity with who we are in Christ Jesus. And this is a critical matter. Now, he's going to pivot back to the sin issue again, but through a different light. And the reason he does so is he wants us to see how fundamentally different we ought to become once we've aligned our identity in Christ. So he talks about the issue, then he talks about how we have this identity in Christ as children of God, and then he pivots back and says, now I want you to see how different you ought to be thinking as a child of God. So consider this. 1 John chapter 3, starting with verse 4. It says, Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does, not, who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister." I titled this message, Jesus Good, Satan Bad. Real simple. Now, I, I love a good mystery movie or mystery show. Does anyone like mysteries? 
I tell you what, it always throws me when the good guy is actually the bad guy. I don't know why. I swear it's in half the plots, but I still get caught off guard at the end. What? Can't believe it. It's a double crosser. You know, you just couldn't see it coming. And because they present, they have a way as they, they write this story, they present this person and you begin to, you're drawn to them and you're, you, you like them and you're cheering for them. And then next thing you know, they've turned on you. Well, not you, the other people in the movie. But you feel like, how could I have not have seen this? And it's a strategy that comes straight from the devil. That's what he does. He appears like as an angel of light. He appears as good. He appears as, as sweet and as good and as attractive. And yet, you embrace his ways and he turns on you. The truth is, is that Jesus is always good and Satan is always bad. Regardless of the portrayal he tries to show you, he's bad. And so I think we can agree on that. Can we just agree on that premise? Because that's the premise of this whole message. If we can't agree on that premise, then we can't move on. Can we agree? Jesus, good, Saint, bad. Can we agree? Okay, good. John challenges us this morning, though, to think beyond the basics, beyond that simple conclusion. He wants us to consider our lives and our relationship with sin, because even though we believe in Jesus, we still live with a choice every day. Who am I going to partner with? Who do I partner with in my life? Jesus good or Satan bad? That John points out two things that Jesus came to do. Let's look at those two things. In verse 5, it says that Jesus came, that he arrived, that he showed up to take away our sins. Amen. Are you grateful? He came to take away our sins. It says that in verse 5. It says in verse 8, it says that Jesus appeared to destroy the devil's work. So what did he come to do? Did he come to take away sins or did he come to destroy the devil's work? Which is it, John? He tells us it's both. And maybe the reason he tells us it's both is because the work of the devil is sin. That is the work of the devil. And this work is to cause a rebellion against God. And on a bigger scale, our sins are a result of the work of the devil. And I'm not saying everything you do, every mistake you make, that the devil's in it, that your flesh is in it, right? But on a bigger scale, our sins are a result of the devil because it goes back to the Garden of Eden when sin entered the world. It, is, it came about by a lie, a deception of the enemy. It was at the foundation of it all, right? Satan, bad. He caused sin to enter the world. On the other hand, the work of Jesus is to destroy the power of sin. We read in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, that God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. He took my sin. He took your sin. He took the sin of the world upon the cross and he gave up his life for yours. Jesus, good. He did it for us. He is good. He is always good. And in the book of John, when we look back, not the book of 1 John, but if you go back to the gospel of John, we see Jesus having a very heated conversation with some people who were opposing him. Now, Jesus didn't, just because Jesus is good does not mean Jesus nice. 
because he's good, but he's having a conversation with some people that are opposing him. And in their self-righteous indignation, they point back to their ancestry and they say, I don't know who you are, but we are children of Abraham. Now, you don't mess with Abraham in Jesus' time. If you, you don't met, that's a guy you don't cross. If you are a descendant of Abraham, we are part of the promise. They were telling Jesus, we're part of the promise. We're the good guys. We don't know who you are, but we are part of Abraham. I don't know about you, pal. That's who we are. And here's how Jesus responds in John 8, 44. He says, yeah, you do belong to your father, the devil. That's not very nice. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, I love this verse so much. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. When the devil lies, he's speaking his native language. I love that phrase by Jesus. But these people are saying, we're good and we're this. And he says, you belong to your father, the devil. Can you imagine? How do you respond to that? That is like a shutdown. That was like Jesus dropped the mic and just walked away. Like, that's it. That's the end of conversation. Why? Because Jesus good, Satan bad. And so they're insulted. How dare he accuse me of partnering with the devil? Why would he say that I've partnered my life with the devil? I'm supposed to be good. Everyone looks to me. I'm the one who's teaching everybody. I'm the one who studied the Bible. I'm the one who knows God. And these, these religious leaders are having this conversation and they're saying, don't you know that people need us to come to God? Don't you know that we're the ones that we represent him? And Jesus says, you missed it completely. You're not partnering with the right one. You're not partnering with the right one. You have partnered with the devil. You haven't partnered with God. And in John, 1 John, back to 1 John chapter 3, John raises the same question that Jesus was posing. And that question is this, who are you partnering with? Who is it that you are partnering with in your life? John writes in verse 8, he says, the one who sins is of the devil. Now, before you go on condemning yourself, before you go on and say, I'm just a terrible person and condemn yourself because you stole your kid's Halloween candy this week, which by the way, it's not stealing. It's called taxes. Okay. Just to let you know, perfectly legal. Doesn't mean it's just or right, but it's okay. Before you go on condemning yourself that you mess up, that you make mistakes, that you sin, what he's saying is that if we continue to live in a lifestyle of sin, even when we believe in Jesus, we're partnering with the wrong guy. When the lifestyle of our life begins to show that we've got these areas in our life, we say, you know, I believe in Jesus, he's good, but I have this thing that I don't want to stop gossiping. I like to be the person that's the source of everybody's information. I don't want to stop drinking. I like the buzz at the end of a day. It helps me calm down. I don't want to stop whatever it happens to be. I don't want to stop, you know cussing out people because it makes me feel strong and powerful. We say these things and we do these things and he's saying, look, if you continue to live in that kind of a lifestyle, even when we believe in Jesus, we're partnering with the wrong guy. Here's what I think happens in our culture of Christianity. You know that America has a culture of Christianity. Different than the culture of Christianity maybe in another nation, maybe in Brazil, the culture of Christianity in China. There's a different culture. Now, of course, we want to go after the culture of God's word. 
And if we want a culture of Christianity that looks like God's word, we should just read the book of Acts over and over and over again because that's what Jesus meant. Okay, so, but we have this culture in our country that we came out of a time, anyone grew up in the hellfire and brimstone generation where you went to church and the pastor just said, you're going to hell, you need to repent, and that was it, right? So, so when you are going to a Seahawks game or an Emeritus game and the guy on the street with the megaphone is going, repent, you're going, yeah, I grew up that. That's what I heard in my whole growing up. And that we grew up, and so what happened in our culture is we said, that's not winning people to Jesus. So we are going to preach a message of grace, which, by the way, is the gospel. Grace is the gospel of Jesus. And we've said there is God's grace on you, which is all true. But what happens because of the message of grace in our culture, I believe that because of this message through Jesus, we can tend to sin more nonchalantly, knowing, well, there's forgiveness. God will forgive me. It'll be okay. It's, it's like the people, the people that, you know how we hurt the people we're closest with? It's like, oh, they'll forgive me. Like, we signed that marriage paper. They're not, they're, they're gonna, they're, we're good. Like, I know I wasn't nice. I shouldn't have treated my wife this way or my husband this way. But, you know, when I wake up tomorrow, they're still gonna be here. Well, that's an assumption maybe that not everybody should make because that's not how it always works. But we have the people closest to us. We're like, you know, Jesus, his love is here. He forgives me. He loves me. It's not a big deal. He'll forgive me. And although Paul said in Romans 6.1, he says, it is ridiculous to sin so that grace may increase. See, Jesus didn't come so we could entertain sin. He came to remove it. That's what his work was at the cross, was to remove sin from our lives. To take sin and, and say, I want to take this thing that's been controlling you and keeping you bound, and I want to unchain you, I want to see you free, and I want to see you live fully for me. See, we fundamentally know, I believe in here, we know that we know when we come to Christ, we know that we shouldn't sin. That when we come to Christ, the Holy Spirit within us, we go to sin, we go to do something, and, and there's something in us that's going, nah, no, 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 don't, don't. We know that. Because the Holy Spirit in us shows us. But too often, we pull a Brittany. Oops, I did it again. Sorry, two weeks in a row. R. Kelly, Brittany. We'll go Bieber next week, all right? You just wait for it. <laughs> we, 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 we just go, oops, sorry. I messed up. <laughs> is that enough, Drew? <laughs> is that a boo? I have booed. That's a first. All right. All right, we got to regain control here. I try to just move on. This idea that everyone has their struggle, this idea in Christianity, well, you know, everyone's got their struggle. This is mine. You've probably either heard it or said it. Oh, everybody's got their thing. This is my thing. That idea that everyone's got their struggle and this is mine is completely contradictory to the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That his grace was poured out so that we would not walk in sin. John takes a more extreme approach. He says that a lifestyle of ongoing sin is actually partnership with the devil. I don't like it that he wrote that but he wrote it. It's in the Bible. He says that when you live a lifestyle of ongoing sin, you're actually partnering with the devil, which forces us to ask ourselves this question. Am I partnering with Jesus or am I partnering with the devil? Doesn't that put a greater weight to it? 
Like when temptation comes, what if you asked yourself a different question? What if instead of asking, well, will this really hurt anyone? That's a question I think people ask when temptation comes. Well, will this really hurt anybody? Rather than rationalizing, well, is it really that big of a deal? Rather than minimizing, what if you asked yourself, okay, if I do this, would I be partnering with Jesus or would I be partnering with the devil? That's a bigger motivator to me, guys. That's a much bigger motivator. Because the truth is, is that when we walk in sin, that is who we're partnering with. And I get that it's extreme. And I don't pose that question to bring condemnation. I pose that question to bring holiness and righteousness as a standard for our lives because that's what God desires of us. That there would be a standard of righteousness and holiness in our lives. John is correcting the idea that you can be righteous before God without evidence of that righteousness in your life. That we, we can't just have a righteous mentality or a righteous belief. It should actually show up in our lives that if we are truly aligned with Jesus, what's inside will show up on the outside. Charles Spurgeon said, the grace that does not change my life will not save my soul. That's an interesting statement. The grace that does not change my life will not save my soul. In other words, grace is powerful. The grace of God is not just a band-aid. It's not just a feel-good. It is powerful. And the grace of God we see is this thing that is when we are weak, that we are broken, that he's accepting and loving, and he wraps around us. But the grace of God is a powerful grace. The grace of God comes and meets us in those places, and he goes after sin. He goes after places of darkness and says, I want to eradicate this from your life. I want to change the way in which you walk and the way in which you live, that you would be a pleasing unto the Father. The grace of Jesus is not weak, it's powerful. The grace of Jesus is like what we sang about. It wreaks havoc on darkness. Think of grace differently. We think of grace as this gift that we have these problems when we open this gift and poof, we're clean. Amen. But grace wreaks havoc on darkness. It brings freedom to captives. The grace of God makes broken things whole. The grace of God makes dirty things clean. And Jesus came to destroy the devil's work. That's why I think as John wrote this, he got stronger in his verbiage as he went. He first started to say he came to remove sin, which is the work of grace, but also the work of grace comes to destroy the devil's work once and for all. And he calls us to be on mission with him. Jesus wants you to be on mission with him. That when we partner with him, we are mission with him. And John's telling us that who we partner with determines who we're on mission with. Who we partner with determines who we're on mission with. We could be a situ in a situation where we've got a family issue and there's someone in the family that we disagree with and so you've gone behind their back and you've started to get to the other family first and you've tried to make sure that your side is heard and maybe this sometimes is valid for your side to her, but in doing so, you're cutting this other person down, you're spreading rumors and you are on mission, not with Jesus. When you are on a mission to bring division, you are not on a mission to bring the glory and the light of Jesus. And he wants us to be on mission with him. When we partner with Jesus, we're partnering 
with being forgiven. We're partnering with being set free. We're partnering with being made whole. Not just for our benefit. Oh, and there's a benefit. Amen? When you go on mission with Jesus, there is a benefit in your life. You get the grace of God. You get the freedom. You get the forgiveness. But the mission of Jesus through us is a greater purpose. See, Jesus came to destroy the devil's work in you so he could destroy the devil's work with you. That he came in the work of sin that was in your life before you came to know Jesus. Jesus came and said, I want to destroy that work. I want to break the back of sin. I want to see it removed from your life so that now you can go with me and we can destroy the work of sin around us in our family and our friends and our coworkers, maybe even in our enemies. That we would see sin broken. Listen, you have the power in Christ to destroy the devil's work. I need to say that again in case you don't believe it. You have the power in Christ to destroy the devil's work. It's not just for a select group of people. That's not just a pastor's work. It's not just an evangelist's work. I was thinking about uh, BMW. They came out a few years ago. Giant disaster. They had this great idea. We'll make our cars more affordable by charging a little bit less, but we won't give you all the features. Okay, so BMW had this brilliant idea that, for example, we're going to install the hardware for heated seats in your car, but you won't be able to use those heated seats unless you pay for a subscription for us to activate those heated seats in your car. Can you imagine pressing the button and nothing happens? I bought a car. It's supposed to have heated seats. You call up support and they're like, that's $24.99 a month or whatever it was. Absolute disaster. They just got destroyed. They finally just was like, fine, here's your heated seats. Never mind, it was a bad idea. Why would you put the hardware in if you're not going to supply the power to it? Right? So they, they came up with this subscription-based model where it's like, well, yeah, technically you have them, but you don't unless you pay for it. Come on. <laughs> you don't have to pay extra to activate the power of Jesus Christ. Yeah, it was paid for it's included in the price. The power to destroy the works of the enemy was included in the price that Jesus paid on the cross. No further price needed. No further payment needed. He made everything available to you in Christ. And he's calling you to be on mission with him. And that can't happen unless we resolve in our hearts, Jesus good, Satan bad. Not just as a big duh statement but the way that which we walk in my day-to-day decisions who will i partner with today who will i partner with when i go to make my decisions and temptation comes who will i partner with when i partner with jesus here's what you need to know you there's a confidence that you need to have jesus has you when you partner with jesus you don't need to fear the enemy you just need to stay close to jesus listen to what he says in first john chapter 5 verse 18 He says, we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin, echoing the thoughts here in chapter three, because the one that's Jesus who was born of God keeps them safe and the evil one cannot harm them. Listen, you're going to get out there on mission with Jesus and you're going to see firsthand Jesus good, Satan bad. You're going to see it. You're going to have opposition and the devil will try to intimidate you. He will try to tempt you. He will try to undermine you. He will try to lie to you and whatever other tricks he's got up his sleeve. But here's what you need to know. When the devil tries to harm you, Jesus holds you. 
He holds you. You are safe. You don't have to fear being on mission with Jesus. You don't, just because Satan's bad doesn't mean he's going to take you out because Jesus is holding you. And you can go on mission with Jesus. Some of you have been afraid of stepping out and being on mission for Jesus because you have believed the lie that if I step out, this thing we say in the Christian world, there's a target on your back. There's a target on everyone's back. Come on. But I serve a Jesus who goes over and breaks the bow so that no arrows can be fired. See, I don't, I don't have to live my life in fear of the enemy because I'm on mission with Jesus. Jesus has got me. He holds me. He protects me. I've attached myself, my mindset, my faith, my actions with the way and the mission of Jesus. And God wants to use you too today to partner with him. The devil's work has been destroyed in you. And if it hasn't, he wants to do it today. He wants to destroy that thing in you and he's calling you on mission to see his work destroyed in the lives of those around you. To be on mission, to see the devil's work destroyed in our families, our children, whatever it happens to be. That we would walk out of here not only knowing Jesus good, Satan bad. But in my everyday life, I'm choosing Jesus' side and I'm going on mission with him. And I'm not going to allow the enemy a foothold in my life. I am going to see his works destroyed. Amen. I would you stand with me this morning as we close. I want to pray over you today. Just right where you're at. Let's just go before the Lord and then we're going we're gonna to lift up this song again about sin in the darkness running. Because we go on mission right now today with Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you today. Oh God, we come before your throne today and we thank you, Lord. You are good. You are good. You are good. You are good, Jesus. And we partner with you today. Would you just tell him that today? Would you say, I partner with you, Jesus. I partner with you, Jesus. Jesus, we go on mission with you today. Lord, I pray right now in this room for any person right now is being impacted by the work of the enemy that is affecting their lives, that is keeping them stuck in addiction, that is keeping them stuck in behaviors that are destructive, that is keeping them stuck in division, that is keeping them stuck in hatred and in jealousy, that is keeping them stuck in bitterness. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we pray that you destroy that work of that per- on that person's life. Destroy the work of the enemy. We proclaim out the mercy and grace of Jesus poured out, the powerful, mighty work of the grace of Jesus Christ to break that chain right now in Jesus name to break off that sin in Jesus name we right now today Jesus say we will partner with you we receive the powerful grace and we walk in the power of our God to be on mission with you Jesus I pray you use our lives to send the darkness running Lord we go on mission with you today and we declare God you reign you rule you triumph you overcome you will have the victory and we will be a victorious people because we have partnered with you Jesus hallelujah in Jesus mighty name amen let's